Well, good morning. Is everyone awake after all of the, the holidays and all the goodies you've consumed this week? I know we've done plenty of that over the last few days. But isn't it a joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? And it's my honor to bring to you his word. Now, this kind of time of year is kind of strange, I feel like, because we've spent weeks or sometimes even months getting ready for Christmas. We've decorated our house. We go buy gifts. We go to all these parties. And then in one day, it's all over. And then we're faced with this type of realization that somehow our life is kind of suspended in midair. And we've got to figure out what direction we're going to send it in when we come back down to earth. So this is a time where we're packing up our Christmas tree, unless you're one of those people who like to leave it up till March. But most of us are starting to take down the Christmas decorations. Some of us are finally stepping back on the scale after all those holiday goodies. We're trying to find a place to put all those things that were wrapped under the Christmas tree, especially if you have kids that can add up really quickly and all of us got to find a home. But we face, especially on this day, the reality that it's time to close the door on 2023. And some of us are leaving this year better off than when we walked into it. Maybe you got a promotion at work. Maybe you've reached a goal that you've been striving toward. For some, it's maybe a baby that you've been waiting for that's finally arrived. But there's others of us who just can't wait to leave the year behind. Maybe it was filled with disappointment or grief or loss. Or maybe it took you to places that you never thought you would end up in. But either way, it's December 31st. Here we are. It's the last day of the year. And this is a day for endings. Tomorrow, if God allows, we'll wake up on January 1st, 2024, and it will be a time for beginnings. So as we gather today on this last day of the year, I think it's appropriate that we visit the last book in the Bible. So we're going to read from the book of Revelation today, and I ask that you would stand and join me in the reading of God's Word. We'll be in Revelation chapter 21. So we didn't go last book, last chapter, but we are one chapter away. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You may be seated. Now, as we read in this passage, we hear a lot of things about this new heaven and this new earth. And we could go into this. We could spend weeks just breaking down these eight verses, but we're not going to do that today. I want to, to focus just on mainly verses 5 and 6. So in this passage, Jesus is the one who is seated on the throne, and he says a few things, and I want to point a few of those out. He says in verse 5, I am making everything new. And then in verse 6, he says, it is done. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, and he says, I am and the beginning, and the end. And we're going to look at each one of these statements a little more closely with a a healthy dose of supporting Scripture because the Word can and should always support and clarify itself. But because it's the end of the year, and because we can, we're going to switch things up, and we're going to look at them backwards. We're not going to look at them in order. We're going to look at them backwards. So he says, I am the beginning and what? The beginning and the end. Now a word, a scripture that we look at often, especially this time of year when we are talking about Christmas and we're lighting our Advent candles, comes from John chapter 1. And it says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So we recognize Jesus was there in the beginning. He was there before the creation of the world. God created, and God was there along with the Son and with the Spirit. We also see Christ as the beginning in Colossians chapter 1. And I just, I love this passage of Scripture. So this starts in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's there at the beginning again. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, And for him, he is before all things. He's there in the beginning again. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him and to reconcile him to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we recognize this creation. Creation is the beginning. But we also see here that it says 
that Jesus was the firstborn over death. And what is death? But the ending. He is the beginning. He is the end. In his book, The Trinity, by Samuel M. Powell, who is one of our our professors at one of our Nazarene universities, he says, the movement of God into the world has a beginning and an end. It comes forth from the Father and proceeds through the mediation of the Son and comes to completion in the Spirit. We see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Spirit who leads all things back to the Father. God the Father is thus the beginning of all things and also the end. He is the telos or the goal of all things. The beginning and end in God frames the world of human existence. And I love that because we see the frame. We see God all around. We see him at the beginning of human existence and we will see him all the way to the end of human existence. And finally, in Isaiah 44, 6, it says, This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. So the next thing that Jesus said when we're going in reverse order from that Revelation passage is that I am the Alpha and Omega. So this phrase, if we look through the book of Revelation, is actually used three times. It's used in the first chapter, it's used in the 21st chapter, and the 22nd chapter. Now if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've heard this name for God, the Alpha and the Omega. And we think, we understand, okay, that it means just it's, okay, he's the first and he's the last. But there's actually more uh, to it than him just being the first and being the last. Now, here's what some smart people, people who are smarter than me, have said about the Alpha and the Omega. Author Asherita Chuchu says, Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, but they represent the entirety of not just letters, but all knowledge, all existence, and all time. It's not just the beginning and the end, but it's all through. If you like a good definition, which I do, I'm one of those people who like to know what everything means, then we have Merriam-Webster, who defines the Alpha and Omega as two things. Number one, as the beginning and ending. Okay, surprise, surprise, right? But the second way that this dictionary defines it is the principal element. The alpha and the omega as the principal element. It is the most important thing. It is the essence of something. In this case, the essence of everything. He truly is this be-all, end-all. He's the entirety of everything. Or as we read in Colossians earlier, he is the fullness of everything. An early Christian author named Tertullian said, just as Alpha rolls on to Omega and Omega returns again to Alpha, so he might show both the evolution of the beginning to the end is in him and again the return of the end in the beginning. It's this beautiful picture of a circle where it just keeps going 
We're familiar with the idea of eternity in the church, but this is a beautiful picture. This alpha and omega is a picture of that eternity where it's just a continual circle. There is no break. Now, alpha and omega are Greek letters because the apostle John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, wrote it in Greek. But when you look at the Hebrew letters, there's the equivalent where at the beginning we have the letter Aleph, which is at the beginning of the alphabet, and then we have Tav at the end of the alphabet. We see that Hebrew equivalent, but the Hebrew takes it a little bit further. There's a Hebrew word that you see up on the screen, the word emet, and that word itself is referred to as the seal of God, and it's made up of the first letter and the last letter, but it also includes the middle letter of the alphabet. The Hebrew alphabet has 28 letters. So you have Aleph, which is at the beginning. You have Tav, which is at the end, which is the 28th letter. And then right smack dab in the middle, in the 14th letter, we have the letter Mem. And so we see Jesus here as the beginning, the middle, and the end. And if that's not cool enough, that word emet means truth. And the fact that it spans the entire Hebrew alphabet just illuminates the fact that truth encompasses all things and endures from beginning to end. And we live in a world right now that believes that truth is relative and that we're supposed to find our own truth. However, as believers, we have to recognize that there is one truth. And he has been the truth from the beginning, and he will be the truth till the end. In John chapter 14, the disciple Thomas, doubting Thomas, asked Jesus how they will know how to follow him. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Yeah, he says, except through me, except through Jesus. And I wasn't necessarily going to add this in here, but I think something that is even a little more amazing about that word emet, which means truth, that if you take away the first letter and you leave the second two, you get the word met, which means death. So if we take out the beginning, if we take out Jesus at the beginning, what are we left with? We're left with death. And that's a sobering reality. The author of Hebrews uses these words in Hebrews 13.8, which encapsulates this word emet, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. Isn't that beautiful? And the songs that we sang this morning were planned before I knew what was happening, before Pastor Jenny asked me to preach. But we sang words of God's faithfulness. We sang words of his goodness and just that reminder that he is yesterday. He is today. He is forever. The next phrase that Jesus says in this revelation passage is, 
It is done. Now, as humans, sometimes, or maybe often, we don't know how to end something. We don't know when to stop eating the chips and salsa when we go to a Mexican restaurant. We don't know how to save the next episode for the next day. We don't know how to turn off the phone and put it down at night when we're in bed. But God said that he is the beginning and he is the end. God knows when to say the end. He knows when to say it's enough. Recently, I was looking at reviews for a movie that I was curious about watching. And as I started to read through the reviews, it was interesting. Because over and over again, the reviews said, this was a great movie, but instead of it being three and a half hours long, it should have been two and a half hours long. They said the movie would have been so much better if they just would have said it's enough. But because the directors kept wanting to create and add more and more, it took away from what was supposed to be there. God gave us a powerful example of being the end when he hung on a Roman cross. And in John chapter 19, we read these words in verses 28 through 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, he knew it was the end. And so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. The work was done. It was finished. And we have to learn how to let things go and quit striving and say, like our Lord, it is finished. And we honor him when we're able to let go at the right time. So the last point in that Revelation passage that, that we wanted to look at today is, I am making everything new. God is in the beginning, but he wasn't just the beginning once. We see the grand beginning when we see the story of creation, but God created the world and everything in it, and he continues to create today. He was not creator. It was not past tense. He was creator, but he is creator. And he continues to create and he continues to restore and make things new. At the beginning of our time together, we read that Revelation 21.1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Because the Alpha and the Omega is about the business of restoration he loves you too much to leave you where you are. When things have reached the end of their usefulness, he shows us it is finished 
And then he doesn't stop there. He does something new. When he ends something, then he also begins something. Now, the city of Bentonville is no stranger to uh, home renovation shows, is it? And I think most of you have probably seen an episode or two of Fixer to Fabulous and what Dave and Jenny Mars do on that show is they take homes that have lost their luster, they have lost their usefulness, and they give them new life and they give them new purpose. And that's what God does with us when we allow him to do that, is when we have reached a point where we can't move forward from where we're at. He takes us and he restores us and he makes us new and he gives us new usefulness. God wants to continually renovate us and show us a grace that is transforming. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 24 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And in the ESV it says, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. His mercies, his grace is new every morning. Restoring, renewing, that is his character. He continues to create through us. So here we are at the end of the year. We're here in this book of Revelation And to be honest, it's a book that sometimes scares us because we don't understand a lot of the things that are there. But we also forget that the book of Revelation is not just meant to scare us and tell us about this gloom and doom, but it is a book of hope because it tells us that the God that we serve is coming to make all things new. He is coming with all his glory, so that we can experience him in his fullness. And we can't forget that. Because he is hope for those who believe in the Alpha and those who believe in the Omega. And it echoes those words that I just read from Lamentations that said, the Lord is my portion. The Hebrews will recognize a portion as the inheritance And so we can read that as, the Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my inheritance, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I've been reminded, I think, this year, more than ever before, that life and seasons are short. There are days that can be filled with joy, and days that can be filled with laughter, but they can also be overcast with sorrow and grief. I know for our family, we started the year with loss. We're ending the year with loss. And I know that's the same for some of you. But there is only one who is the beginning, who is the end, and who works through the middle of it all. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He is that Emet that we talked about. He's the yesterday, the today, 
and the tomorrow. And I'm here to tell you that God was present with us at 12 o'clock a.m. on January 1st, 2023, and he will be present with us at 1159, December 31st, 2023. And guess what? When that flips over to 2024, he begins again. And we have the opportunity this year to choose to close the year with the Omega and to open the year with the Alpha. And Pastor Bo was talking about how you are getting ready to enter into a season of vision casting. And what would it be like to vision cast with the Omega as the first? Thinking, how do we honor this God who is the beginning? And how do we follow it through to completion to the end of where he is leading our church? And I believe that's what Pastor Jenny desires for you. But she needs partners to come alongside her and make that happen because Pastor Jenny can't do it on her own. You have an awesome staff, but they can't do it on their own. They need you to walk alongside them to be those partners in ministry to fulfill what the Alpha and the Omega has for this church to do in this community in this time. Now, our musicians are going to come up and get ready to, to close us out. And as, as they do, I just want you to reflect for a moment. What would it look like for you to allow God to end this year and begin the next? What would it look like for Christ to be both the first and the last in your life? We get a pretty good idea of what that looks like when we read Psalm 113 verse 3 that says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Our charge here is to praise him from beginning to end. From the moment we wake up, as the song we just sang said, to when we lay our heads down at night, his name is to be praised. Ways we can do that is we can make him the beginning and end by praising him for who he is and for what he's done. We can make him the first and the last by allowing his word to have the first and last word in our lives. We like to read it when it's convenient. But what if we make it the first? And what if we make it the last? Psalm 119, 133 says, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Let his word have the first word and the last word in your life. And allow him to be the alpha and the omega as we seek his will and seek his wisdom before our own. We're familiar with the passage in Matthew 6.33 that says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we seek him as the first and see him as the last, everything else just falls in place. As we close this morning, we just invite you to pray. Pray for a few things. Pray for God's guidance and direction in the year to come. Ask him to be the first for you in 2024. 
And also pray for those who were in leadership in your life. And this is going to be in different areas. Pray for the leaders of your church. We have a relationship with your staff as we're on staff at Rogers First. And you guys have an amazing staff. I don't know if you guys know that. Pastor Jenny, Pastor Mark, and Pastor Bo, Pastor Diane, you have your, your great Spanish church leaders, and Amanda and Laura, and you have a preschool here that is teaching little people how to follow Jesus, and you need to pray for those people as well. But pray for your church leaders and pray for the leaders of your home. Maybe you are the leader of your home, and if you are, pray for yourself because you need wisdom to know how to lead those under your care. If there's someone else who leads your home, if you are still living with your parents, pray for your parents that they would have wisdom and that you would honor them in the way that God asked you to honor them. Pray for the leaders of the place where you spend your time, whether that's at school, whether that's at work. And pray for the leaders of your local and your national government. You may not agree with all the decisions that they make, but God put them there for a reason that we don't always understand. But pray for those people. So we're getting ready to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, which I think is a very fitting end because God has been faithful this year and we know that he will be faithful in the year to come. So as they sing, we just invite you to come and pray.